Hey everybody, sorry taking so long. We're doing the Twitch thing. We're moving into Twitch, so I gotta start up the show and I gotta be like the old car. You know, turn, turn the turn, turn the butter. Or as they say, turn that milk till it turns the butter. So welcome to True House Stories. I'm Lenny Fontana coming out of Nueva York, New York City. And you know, each and every week, I always scour for the best of the game. And, you know, back in Christmas time, I was asked to bring on certain people that we revere as legends, um, innovators, people that lead the game. Well, this man who I'm bringing up, I will have to say this, definitely led the game. He happened to fall into the right time. And I wish I could have been around him at that time, as many guys my age were wishing because we were the kids like watching him people that were djing at different nightclubs and they were talking about all the great things they were doing but this guy was telling us on the radio on no one station in the nation okay that became the the blueprint for what came after in dance music disco so imagine this the program director michael ellis goes to Studio 54, and he calls it like finding God. And we'll say it like that. He then goes to work the following day, takes a Latin station that was pretty good in its market, all right, and he tells the kid from the mailroom, go down to the Wiz, which is a record shop, sold equipment, and buy me every disco record there is, okay? The kid comes back. Brings him tons of disco records. They immediately change from one second Latin music to the following day. You start hearing disco music. Now, pre to that, you had stations like WPIX and the guy from Crazy Eddie used to have a show on there and they'd be mixing contemporary music and playing disco. But there was no real, real disco station until this station came on the air. WKTU Disco 92. Okay. And some air personalities that came out from it. This man I'm bringing up right now, I like to introduce affectionately one of the greatest DJ air personality people I know, Mr. Joe Causey. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> Joe, you're making me blush. Joe Causey. No, it's a true Joe. <laughs> so, Disco 92 becomes the number one station nation. He becomes the morning man, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay? And after that, the rest is history, am I, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, it was, it was a magical time, you know, KTU. You know, but that wasn't my first, my first well, uh, station. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I did mornings back then. And when, when I, I got to tell you, well, when we worked on KTU, we didn't have what we have today uh, at, at stations. You know, it was very less technical than it is today. There was no such thing as MP3s. What there MP3s? Was, there was no CDs or, or none of that stuff. We had two turntables, uh, two reel-to-reel, -reel, uh, four commercial, four-track decks to play commercials. And that was it. And that was it. We had an eight-pop board. And... Uh, and we winged it. All our, our live reads were live. And they wanted us to have a feeling, get, get that New York feel. And that's what was, was so special about KTU back then, because everyone that was on the air was from New York City. 
We had Roscoe from Manhattan. We had Paco from New Jersey. I was from Brooklyn. Uh, Johnny Allen was from Queens. Uh, Paul Zarcon, J.D. Holiday was from Long Island. Bandero was from Brooklyn with me. Uh, so so many people were a part of this nation. Let me show you a picture. I look there. Look at the crew. Ooh, look at that. I needed a haircut back then. The big Paco, way. <laughs> Roscoe. G. Keith Alexander, Carlos Jesus, yeah. you in the back, of course, as you're like a basketball player, you're taller yeah. than ever. Yeah. Is that the way Bill Lee? No, that's uh, Dale Reeves. Oh, uh, Dale Reeves. Okay. Dale Reeves, yeah. yeah, that was a, that was a great time. I mean, such great players there. Roscoe, what, cream of the crop. Class act. In a fact, class act. When I went to Ohio to that music, uh, the music museum, the, you know, um, Roscoe's in there as an air personality. They, they gave him that as a number one Frankie Crocker course. Yeah. Roscoe's right up there with him. Yeah. I mean, well, Roscoe covered really every genre of music while he was in radio. I mean, he, he was in rock. He, he was in disco. He, he did everything top 40, but he had that certain style. He was very cool on the air. And if you remember what he said, when he, when he leave, like he had that whole Frankie Rocker, you know, I love you. So, and they would sign off with that. Roscoe yeah. recites Desiderata. Yeah, that was a great time. <laughs> yes. Great time. Yep. This is cool. I like doing this. This is this nice. Is, this is this is us being affectionate to you guys. And you know, thank God I was able to get all of you one by one because um nobody really gets a chance to hear these inside stories. So I'm gonna to get to one question everybody knows I ask, and then I'll let you take it from there because you're gonna okay. you're gonna paint the picture like the Picasso you were meant to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so Joe, I ask it the same way. How does music find you as a young kid? The little cousin from yeah. Brooklyn, ben you're from Bensonhurst, right? Am I yeah, right? Bensonhurst, yeah, right near Coney right. Island. Yeah. Okay, so how's a little? How do we find? How does that music find you? What was mm -hmm. you know what what's that driving force to make you? become the Joe Corsi we all know. But there's well, got to be that dream that happens, that dream sequence. I always loved music ever since I was young. Ever, I, at four years old, I used to dibble-dabble on my, my father's piano in the basement, or I would always sing at cousins' weddings at 10 years old. And I, I always loved doing that. And when I was in elementary school in, uh, in Brooklyn, PS212, you know, I, I, I was not shy. I was the class clown, always getting in trouble, making sounds, imitating teachers. Um, I used to do like the shows in the school, you know, like the plays we would have once a year. And my music teacher, her name was uh, Alba Meza. Her name was Miss Meza. And she, she uh, loved me because I always went above and beyond. I always sang. I was like that show stopping thing when I was a little kid. It was, it was, I was a goofy kid, you know? And she told me, and I didn't realize this till about two years ago, I found a letter that she sent my parents. And I, I just found this letter two years ago. And it, and she said that I, I don't know what your son is going to do in the future, but I know He's going to do something musically, whether on the stage, off the stage, behind the mic or in front of the mic. I know that he's definitely going to do this. She finds out that I'm in broadcast school. Okay. And, um, she, she contacts me via a friend 
she she found out I was to in broadcast school when I came out of uh, college because I was originally going to go into computers, which wasn't going to fly for me. I said, there's no way I'm going to stay in a room fixing computers for the rest of my life. And, I, you know, I, I love music. So I went to broadcast school. And uh, while I was in school, which was located in the city on 42nd, announcer training studios which is no longer there uh in my class was johnny allen sue simmons from channel four uh lots and lots of people in the, in the broadcast end that you hear today on the air was in that school and she finds out i'm in the school she she reaches out to me and says you know a friend of mine has a radio station in minnesota would you think of going there so here i am this 19 year old kid i said yeah i'll go you know the only thing that i know about minnesota is watching mary tyler moore with her running through the streets with balloons on her head says this looks like new york i can get i can get by with this joint right so i uh i get on a plane and i fly to minnesota so i think i'm going to a city but i didn't realize how to get a connecting flight up north so now i get on this other little prop job and all i see is snow and trees and snow and trees and more snow. And here it is the end of March. All right. It's 25 degrees out the end of March. I land in Hibbing, Minnesota, home of Bob Dylan and Mar Roger Maris. And people are walking around with shorts and T-shirts. Meanwhile, I got a coat on because they're used to 50 below zero. And I work for this little radio station called MFG. And here I am, this guy from Brooklyn, trying to talk to these people from 60 miles south of Canada in a Minnesotan accent, and they're not buying this. But I, I lasted there for six months until I couldn't take it anymore. And then I came back to New York, and I got a job in, uh, in New Jersey, uh, working at WERA in Plainfield, New Jersey. Stayed there for a couple of months. From there, I, they let me go because I said I, I wasn't talented enough. So they oh, let me really? go. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Joe's not talented. I wasn't talented enough. Joe, All right. So you sure it wasn't because you didn't have a, a Salomonia near you? Uh, yeah, probably, it's right? Boy, <laughs> meaning at least within X amount of blocks of Salomonia, yeah. right? So I leave there, and I, I wound up getting a, a job, you know, mixing music for Paul Anker in Vegas at his club for a while. I was mixing in a club for a while. Did a little stint there, came back to New York, got a job in Elizabeth, New Jersey at WJDM. Uh, and they let me go after, I think I was there for like eight months. Let me go. And two days after they let me go, I got a call from Mark Shoshone, who was the assistant program director at KTU with Michael Ellis, and said, we'd like you to come in. And we heard your tape because I kept sending out tapes, little reel to reel five-inch reel-to-reel tapes, you know, not even cassettes or MP3s. We had to make little cassettes, a little uh, reel-to-reels, five-inch jobs. Send it to them, and I went in. They hired me to do overnights, weekends, uh, Saturday nights from 2 to 6 in the morning. Uh, same thing. On, on Then I was doing two days a week. And then I, I did overnights for about three months from overnights they moved, moved me into the morning show. And I wound up doing the morning show for a year and so-and-so. I forgot how long that was. And uh, it was a crazy time. I mean, everything was on vinyl. We had a wall of vinyl behind us, but everything was programmed. Michael Ellis was very like, he, he, he was 
uh, would be on the phone with record stores. And that's how they played, programmed the music at KTU. They wanted to know what was selling. And every single Monday, he would call record stores. He'd have his uh, interns that work with him, Frankie Blue at the time. He would be calling the DJs. Hey, what are you playing? What, what songs are, are the people liking right now? What are they dancing to? What aren't they dancing to? And that's how he would make his playlist. And that's what he would offer on KTU. And within, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks, they went from a nothing rating to a 12 share. That's still, that's incredible. That's what everybody yeah, said. That, that literally is that means that every person in New York was listening to this radio station. And still today, there's no one that had ratings like that. Still today, no station comes close into the ratings that KTU had. And, um, it, it was really crazy. I mean, you, you, you can't believe. And it was all because of Saturday Night Fever. Well, that's what I was going to say. Because at the yeah. same time, you just happen to get blessed with a movie coming out. Right. Explosion. Mm-hmm. And your program director finding this music and loving it. It was like a, was like a, a, a great right. thing to happen at the same time. It's a stereo effect. The movie mm-hmm. happened across the nation. And then you guys come on the air. And mm-hmm. it's just like, boom. And we were treated like royalty. I mean, we'd walk into the, I mean, we were located right on uh, 60th and Madison. That's where the original KTU was, right on 60th and Madison. And diagonally across the street from the radio station was the Copacabana, the original Copacabana. Uh, and we would walk in that place on a Friday night. We showed a picture. Show picture. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right on the. There you go. That's right on stage at the Copacabana. I mean, that's with Roberto Cano, who was our newsman, uh, and G. Keith Alexander. Super cool dude. <laughs> Love G. Keith. It's super, super cool dude. Great voice, that golden voice. G. Keith yeah. used to be on 98.7 Kiss. Yeah, great great guy. Does a lot for the community. He's always out there. And a big voiceover artist, too. You hear him on a lot, a lot of voiceover spots. Good guy. So that's because now here you are, you go. I like that mustache I had. Look like yeah, a, okay, so let's go I back was in a Swedish erotica video back then. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> and that hair. What the yeah, heck? Wait a minute. Hold on a second. But let's not forget, you wore suits in those days to go out. Everybody, yeah, back then, everybody wore, wore suits when you walked. When you walked to a club. Nobody walked into clubs today. I mean, you dressed up. You know, that was the whole thing, you know, on, on Saturday mornings, after you washed your car for an hour and a half, you know, you went down to 86th street and you, you got your, your new polyester pants and, and your key on shirt. And you made sure you look good that night. That's and right. it was all about dressing up, dressing up and smelling good. We really stunk bad, but I mean, there's <laughs> almost, you know, pouring a bottle of your car on you when you walked in, you know, you could clear a room. It was crazy. <laughs> It was a it was a great time. It was an unbelievable time back then. You know, and then the thing is, you don't realize you guys are in a goldfish thing. You know, you're doing what you're doing. And out there, we're all listening and just dreaming of what is going on. Mm-hmm. You're living the day to day. How many nights a week were you out? Because uh, you're working, you're working, but you got to yeah. be at that time. It was yeah. a in every corner right and they wanted us out at least three four nights a week and 
some of the guys at the station didn't like to do that. They only did special events, you know, like station uh, uh, parties. But um, yeah, I loved to go out. You know, I was young. Okay, I, was 20, too, I, was, too yeah, I was 20. I was 20 years old, you know, 21 years old. So I was out every night. So I'd uh, when I was doing uh, the mornings, I'd be out until like two o'clock in the morning, you know, come home back to Brooklyn, go to sleep wake up at five and then drive back to the city to be on the air. I mean, I was literally like, I mean, I remember like it was yesterday on a Friday morning, getting off the air at 10 o'clock on a Friday morning, going down in the garage, getting my car, driving out to the Hamptons. I would be in the Hamptons by 1230 in the afternoon. I work at a club on Friday night, usually La Plage in the Hamptons on a Friday. Yes. Saturday, I'd work at Le Mans or Danceteria or 27 East. Um, Sunday, I'd do the afternoon party back at La Plage on the beach. And then I would I would sleep over the Sunday night, get out of there at 3 in the morning and drive back to the city and be on the air at 6. I mean, I was nuts back then. Uh, I mean, there was no, there was no, you were never tired. You kept going. There was a lot of things that helped you, but we won't get into that either. You know what I mean? <laughs> coffee, caffeine, Coca-Cola, and coffee kept you coming. Exactly. There were coffee. no Starbucks back then. All right. Coca-Cola kept you going. Yeah, there was. There was a, were there Dunkin' Donuts back then? I think there were. No, it was what he no? called it. Um, chock full of nuts was around. Chock full of nuts. We were chock full of nuts. All right. Yeah, yeah, you're full yeah. of nuts. <laughs> we were nuts. All right. But it was a it was a crazy time, and I remember like it was yesterday, uh, before so I even got on the air. Like when I was telling you before, I was at ATS, yeah, announcer training studios. I would, they, they came to the school one day. Remember, remember the record store, Jimmy's Music World. Yes. Okay. And Jimmy's Music World put up a a huge record store, the largest record store in New York City, in the middle of Times Square. Oh wait a minute, there's a picture, but go ahead. Yeah, it was 10,000 square feet. Yep. And they came to the school and they auditioned everyone in the school and they wanted three people to come in and do a radio show like you were on the air, but in the record store and play, you know, the new music, talk up the music and do like an in-store radio show. This is before what you hear when you go to a Walmart today or stuff like that. This was live. They had a, a DJ booth set up and we were up in the booth doing all this. And they wound up picking me and these two other guys. And I would go there when I would get out at, uh, I, I get out of school at four. And then I work in the uh, Jimmy's from like four to eight and then take the train back to Brooklyn, the B train. Right. And uh, they would bring an artist. I remember like it was yesterday, Grace Jones coming in, promoting her, her, she would do like in-store record signings, Grace Jones, uh, The Whispers, uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. I mean, uh, Silver Convention. Here we go. We got the picture. There you I go. Mean, look, look at that. I mean, that. Oh, look. Look at Joe back there behind Yeah, me. look at that. And look at those uh, 12 and 45s, $2.99. $2.99. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And one day, um, I remember I went there and overnight they wound up cleaning out the whole store. They just left, they left out of town and they, they closed up. The store just closed up overnight. I went in to get my, 
to, to go to work the next day and uh-huh. it was gone. The store was gone. And then they wound up making it a club. Remember it was Bonds? Yeah, Bonds that's International. Well, that's where Bonds was right there. And it was it was it was unbelievable. Ashford and Simpson came in there one time and um and they pulled up with a, a beautiful Rolls Royce convertible. Kids are in the back seat and they came out, bought some records, double parked the car right in front of uh, Jimmy's Music World in the middle of Times Square. I mean, stuff like that you don't see today. You, you don't Never. see things like that. Yeah, you know? Never great seen. times. Great times. But that's, you know, there's the thing. Now, like, for example, I mean, you've been around. I'm going to show some pictures. Lionel oh, Richie. There's my wife. And there's before your wife. Before we were married. Before we were married. Yeah. Mrs. Causey. Before Mrs. Causey's Mrs. Causey. Yeah. Lionel Richie. Bob Rogers. Yep. yep. Denny Terrio. Mm-hmm. From, you know, the dad from Solid Gold. But Denny Terrio, those that know, Denny Terrio basically trained Travolta. To yeah. Learn how to dance. That whole scene with him doing those yeah. moves on the—that's and he's still dancing, Denny. Crazy, and he's right? still can do it. Denny. Now, would you say, Joe? He's he has to be hovering between the sixty-five and seventy, maybe. That's what I'm thinking around that age, and yeah. he still goes. He's like a road. He still goes, yeah, and he looks good. He he's a good job, you know. I mean, I was with him last year. We did a show in uh, Florida, and he, he's always he's up there and he's going. Brings the women up on stage and dances with everybody. Yeah. Now here, when ah. you came to Green Acres in Long Island. Yep. Okay. It was uh, with Johnny Allen back in the day, and you got to realize we we had the disco mobile, and it was a really a, a brainchild. We would go out and and do events everywhere. I mean, if you had a let's say you had a grand opening store, we'd bring the truck there. They'd set up the turntables outside. And we were the brainchild of doing these things. Boom. And we would do schools. We were we were out there in people's faces. And that that's what I always did. You know, I shook hands, kissed babies, and I still do it today. I try to get out as, as much as I can. And I I'm still doing festivals and feast and uh oh, the, like wait, wait, wait. The, Gennaro, the San Gennaro feast. There you go, San Gennaro. They still keep coming out. Look, look, they still keep coming out. Joe says, I'm going to be at the feast. I'm going to get my Zeppelis and all my Sazicha Peppers. Yeah. <laughs> I, he says it every year. You and know what's funny? I, I go to the feast and I never eat that stuff. <laughs> I can't eat it. I just go, I re- I just, uh, no, I got to be correct. I just go to one place and I eat all the time. Well, two places. I, I go get my shrimp balls at Vincent's right. on Martin Hester. Then I go around the corner and I get my ganolis from Cafe Palamo and then I'm good. And then I go home and that's the end of the night. But I'm usually, I do the first Saturday of the feast every year. And I was just grand marshal there uh, a couple of years ago. They made me grand marshal, uh, me and Chaz Palmentieri from Bronxdale. And I just love going back there each and every year. It's part of, I remember like it was yesterday when we all went there uh, from KTU. All of us were on a large uh, gondola float. It was a float in the shape of a gondola. And we came up the the Mulberry Street, and we were all on there. Me, Paco, Johnny Allen, Diane Pryor, all of us. And it was such a feeling. It was they people were so responsive, and we gave out over fifty thousand T-shirts that day. Coming up Mulberry Street, everybody and their mother had a K2 T-shirt on. 
Joe, correct me if I'm wrong. If I remember, I went to the 18th Avenue Feast and mm-hmm. I remember security. I remember that you were in that kind of level that you had to have security around you. Because yeah, but I always, I always went down with the people. I, I always went down with the people. Because people wanted to get near you. They loved yeah. you. Yeah, and people would never do anything because you know they know I'm I'm one of them. I'm you know I'm a neighbor guy. Yeah, I'm a neighbor guy. I'm not I'm not like that. You, you know, and I and I've never been like that. I'm a regular person, and that's why I want to be treated like that too. Okay, yeah. so now, now how long did KTU and you staying with Carlos and all? Because Carlos say Jesus eventually became program director. Right. Well, we were all done. The station was done by like 1985. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. How long did that hold? So people understand the rise and the demise of what. Right. what it was what, only a short span. It was only about seven years. And then, then that was it, you know, because the music was changing, you know, that whole uh, disco sucks revolution came on and and there was that new wave. You know, the music went from dance music really to new wave. And the music kept evolving. So, and that was the, really the end of KTU, but people still wanted to hear it. And they realized that later on. And then when they, the stations came back, when the new KTU came back, they knew and went right to number one. People want to dance. I mean, you can listen to music and you can dance to music and people want to dance. So now yeah. we were hearing your voice all those years, and then all of a sudden, now we don't hear your voice for a while. Right. So yeah. what happens to you in that span? Because we knew you came back. Right. But with those years, where did you go in the middle of all that? I was just trying to, I would do, do anything really to support my family. I just got married. I got, I literally got married in 85 the same year was the demise of KTU. So I was out there doing events, doing promotions, stuff like that. I worked in a funeral home for a while. You know, you you got to do what you got to do. Well, you know, know, this is why people want to know this stuff, because they think it's all glamour. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And and there was a time when, uh, you know, I was doing two, three jobs just to be afloat. Because it's not always going to be like that. You know, and and when you're 20 years old and you're working at the number one radio station in the world and you're making decent money, I mean, I would go out at 19 years old in 1980 and buy a $150 pair of shoes. In 1980, compared to today, that's like $500. I was going to say like $650. Shoes. Exactly, exactly. You're, so, you're, you're just with Ferrucci. You're just right. heavy level. You're, exactly, you're, exactly. You're heavy, heavy. So... So in 1980, you think, oh, this is going to be like this forever. It ain't like that, you know, because I was young in mind, you know, <laughs> and you think it's going to be like that for the rest of your life. And when you get older, you realize, you know, you have to put away for that rainy day. And, and that's, you know, that's what happened. That's what happened. So thank God. You know, then I got right back into it, you know, with the, with the new KTU. And then with Mix 1027, I've been with CBS. It's going to be 15 years now. Oh, God bless you. Sick 15 yeah. years. And that's it's another weird. story. See, here's the funny part, everybody, about CBS 101, the oldie station. Right. With Cousin Brucey and them. So they were going forever and ever and ever and ever. You see here the records of the 50s and the 60s. Right. And the 70s. And when they were on the air, it was more 50s, 60s. 70s. 70s. That was, it. That was right. it. Yeah. Then all of a sudden... CBS decides to axe 101 FM. People right. lost it. 
right? right? You remember this? And then they put this thing on called Talk FM or some nonsense. Um, yeah. whole Jack program. FM. Jack FM. Jack FM. Right. People wrote letters like you have no idea, emails mm-hmm. for a year, mm-hmm. for about a year. They, which is never heard of, to bring a station back. Right. That way, they've been back one on one, but they now they get rid of Brucey, all them, and they call on Broadway Bill Lee, Me. Joe Corsi. Yep, Joe Corsi got yeah. a job, and we start to hear Joe Corsi again. Well, we heard Joe before; he was on Hot. Right, Road. I was on. Well, I was on one hundred one hundred two seven. WNEW. Yep. Yeah. And uh, when I left 1027, then I went over to CBS FM. And I mean, we just did, got our ratings yesterday for the last book. And at night, I'm the number two listened to radio station in New York and the Tri State area. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people out there, you know? It's what a lot that, of so, what is that? What is that arbitrary rating? referred to in people if you were to say numbers like it oh i i don't even millions of people listening oh millions yeah yeah you got to realize it's tri-state area you know and if what's it's it's different today you know like a lot of people have there's different back then with ktu when you wanted to hear your favorite song you had to sit there and listen to it you didn't have your spotify and your ipods and your iphones and where you can just dial up and hear a song anytime back then. You had to wait. Today, there's so many different ways to get your music. You know, and thank I thank God that Joe's right there telling yeah. you there's your music. That's right. Turntable right behind him. Look. And the slip mat right behind the me there. There you go. A little slip mat over there. Yeah. And see those little carts there right. on the side? Those yeah. little carts? Those those are our commercials. Those are every commercial was on one of those carts compared to today where everything's computerized. So it'd be almost similar. So people understand this at home. Remember, everybody had an eight track, everybody? Right. Like an eight track. You put right. the eight track in and click the number. And it well, it was a four track. It was a four track. It was just that one little track on there. It was like four different commercials on one tape. And it was, for the techie guys out there, that's what you know they want to know. <laughs> but it was a magical time back then. You know, look and at I'm just glad I'm a part of it, really. Look, 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 look how magical that was. That was at the World Trade Center, the original World Trade Center. And every single uh, once a week on a Friday afternoon, we would do the uh, KTU lunch break. And we would go out either the, to the World Trade Center or to Pier 11 by the South Street Seaport and put on concerts. We would have an artist come down and uh, great story. Please search for part two of this podcast on the platform you're watching or listening to. And please do not forget to follow us.